Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Did you know some sunscreens contain active ingredients that can irritate skin, disrupt hormones, and damage the environment? And these ingredients are commonly used by big brand names you see in stores. Think sunscreen is different. It's made from sensitive skin-friendly zinc oxide 20% and contains no synthetic fragrances, phthalates, or oxybenzone. The Environmental Working Group named Think Sunscreen the best recreational and kids and baby sunscreen for ingredient safety. Ready to stay sun safe? Head to gothink.com backsplash discount backsplash KC20 and use my promo code KC20, KC20 for 20% off. Charity is an expert on fortitude, fueled by good food and faith. She helps others create a healthy lifestyle so they can focus on living a life of purpose and passion. What started out as a desire to help others turned into a journey that ended up helping her own family when her husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. Charity leads with passion, shares freely, and gives all of us insight on how we can be more intentional in who we are becoming. I am so excited to have you, Charity, on my podcast. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm just thrilled to be here. Just to sit and chat with you is just a delight. Well, I'm so glad that you said yes, and I just am so grateful I met you. That was such a neat experience at Tastemakers Conference to bump into you and meet you, and I um, have followed you for a long time because of Silver Fern. Um, I just knew who you were from Silver Fern, and so it was it's been great meeting you. You are such a light in my life. So well, we were fast friends. Like the minute we met, it was like, oh, we know each other. We're friends. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. Um, but talking about Silver Fern, let's just get started. So yeah. you started out as a business major, but you ended yes. up at Silver Fern, a probiotic company. Yes. Um, how did you get involved in nutrition? What led you there? Well, you know what, Carlin, it goes way back to like the 13-year-old girl that thought she was fat. And I I think there's a lot of women that have a similar story. I I know I certainly don't have the monopoly on feeling, you know, body shame or struggling with weight issues or whatever. But for me, my journey was always like, oh, I just want to be thin. I just want to be skinny. I just want to be smaller. And I kind of lamented like so many others do when I was a teenager, but that progressed even into my um, 20s. And I had four babies close together. And it was just always one of those things where I was like, oh, I just want to be thin. And, And I had tried all of the different diets the trends, the lemonade. I mean, you name it. Like I had done it. And I, I just remember one night, um, I'm, 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 I try to be a spiritual person. I try to have a relationship with God. And I remember one night just kind of crying to him. I'm like, this has just been such a hard journey. And if you'll just teach me like how to be skinny, I will share this information with other people. And I had a very profound spiritual experience where I felt God say to me, Charity, when you are ready to be healthy and not just skinny, I have things that I am ready to teach you. Oh, wow. That's That's profound. It was 2008 and I felt like I had to kind of unlearn some of the things that I had in my mind and relearn what, what does health 
really look like? So I got heavily, heavily involved in nutrition. I got a master's degree in nutrition. I was drawn very, very much to cancer. For some reason, I was reading everything about cancer and I started teaching disease prevention through nutrition. And when I was teaching these classes, people would, I was really passionate about it. And sometimes people would ask me and they're like, well, Charity, like, what's your story? And, and why are you so passionate? And Carlin, the only thing I could say to them is like, there's something in my soul that is, is wants to know this. And of course, as you mentioned, you know, fast forward to my husband and his diagnosis. And so I kind of knew my why, but in that journey, I was also part of my thesis that I did was the microbiome, gut health and bacteria and probiotics. So oh, it really I love was the it. Perfect, yeah. It was the perfect marriage at Silver Fern to be a part of that team and to help with different product development and understanding and education. And it was just, it was a, very much a part of my life, my journey, my passion, while I was at the same time trying to help my husband with his, with his journey as well. Okay. So I have so many questions about that. So we're going to take a few steps back because I want to talk okay. about your husband's journey, but let's yeah. talk about the whole being skinny. Um, was it just due to the diet culture of, of America that you felt this way or did something happen in your home that you felt this way or just the typical, like every woman, they think yeah. they want to be skinny? I mean, such a good question because I think we have these experiences that shape us. And, um, you know, not my mom is an amazing, wonderful woman. I think that she was maybe in a generation where being skinny was a big deal to them culturally. And that was something that was somewhat projected onto me. There were six kids in my family. I'm a bit of a curvier girl. And I remember being 13 and my mom sitting me down and saying, Hey, you need to start watching what you're eating. And I looked back and I was like, wait, what? So, so that's what kind of triggered me. And then I think that made me just a little bit more susceptible to the diet culture, the diet world. My mom is very, very health conscious. So I think that she, in her efforts to be healthy, sometimes that messaging came across to a vulnerable teenage mind of skinny is healthy. And you and I both know skinny does not necessarily mean healthy. Right, right, right? for and, sure. And that, that, that is not portrayed in the diet culture. The diet culture is if you're skinny, you you're are healthy, healthy. and you are happy. Exactly. And, and neither one of those is necessarily true. true that is for sure. Okay. So I love that. Then the second part of this is you tried all the different diets and did what a lot of people do. I mean, you talk to 90% of women and they've tried every diet out there, tried, you know, counting things, um, you name it. Anyways, I love that you took it to God. You took it to a next level of, okay, show me, help me. And then I love that, like you said, he put you on a path of teaching others and learning the nutrition and things like that. Let's now talk about your husband. So you taught all these okay. cancer classes and taught others well, about he was cancer. Drinking Diet Coke daily and finishing his night off with Rocky Road. And I would be out teaching classes and he's like, I support you. You, you do your thing. And I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Were you guys on a health journey before the cancer was found? No, it was always just my journey. It was always me learning and studying and reading and, and researching and trying to, you know, just, just learn and grow. And I'm just the type of person, if I see a movie that I love, I want to tell everybody. If I read a book, I'm telling everybody. It was the same way with nutrition where I was like, okay, I... I want to just go and teach people. And so I think to people that are listening right now, they, this might not resonate. My journey won't resonate with them, but here's what will resonate with them. 
if there are things that they feel drawn to, called to, if they're learning about and they're excited to share, I would just say, listen to the music that's inside of you. Like you will be able to find people and, and, and share your specific passion or knowledge with people. Mine happened to be nutrition. But when I talk to people about their purpose or their passion, there's two things that I always want people to remember. First of all, my music's not your music. Listen to the music that's inside of you. I used to be the type of person that I'm like, okay, well, this has worked for me. So this is going to work for you. And instead now, especially with my children, I'm like, okay, well, what resonates with you or what are you feeling drawn to? We've so many voices and so many quote unquote experts in the world that sometimes we lose touch with our own intuition, our own feelings, our own gut. Right. And so in that sense, I really was drawn to a path that was going to eventually help me and my family. We didn't know it at the time. So when I was teaching, it was um, very shocking. Yet at the same time, all of a sudden there was this calmness when my husband was diagnosed and he was young and he unfortunately was he did not catch colon cancer early. If you can catch it early, it's very, very treatable. His was stage four when he was diagnosed. It had already spread to his lungs. It had already spread to his liver. Um, And so for me, I was like, this is what I've been prepared for. I didn't know it, but this is the battle and I'm ready for it. I've studied, I've researched, I'm ready to at least um, add some hoses onto the fire. I think Carlin, you and I talked before, I always view cancer as this just flaming fire and as many hoses as you can add on. And those are going to be different, right? We, you and I, we talk about health and wellness and, and you are an amazing educator on ingredients. However, there are other hoses Right. Relationships right, for and sure. laughter and life. And, um, you know, there's all these different types of things that heal. Food is one element that heals, but love heals, gratitude heals, forgiveness heals. So, so there's all these things, but, but yeah, we were, we, we came to that, that fight with cancer, ready to battle armed and ready to go. Wow. I love that you were put on this path to best help him to have all that knowledge and all that education that can help him or could help him. Will you tell my listeners the story? Like, how did he even know? I mean, did he have symptoms or signs? Like, why did he go in for a colonoscopy? So, yeah, this is a good thing for people to be aware of just in general. My husband's father was English and the English are very private, especially about private things, right? Personal bowel movements or whatever. So it's certainly not something that my husband was ever very comfortable discussing. In fact, it brought me to, you know, brought me to tears when we finally discussed it. And and he said, yeah, if I'm being honest, I've been having symptoms for a year. Oh, wow. What? Like, and so typically those symptoms will be bowel issues. Um, I'll get a little, I mean, we can get a little TMI here, but with your bowel movements, you're really looking for, let's just delicately say more like a banana than a pencil. Okay. Is that, is that, yep, does that, the image there work? Right? Yeah. Pencil thin stool um, is an indicator of blockage. So he'd been having issues for a while. 
We talked to our family doctor who said, okay, well, I'm sure, you know, don't go worst case scenario. Let's just go get him in for a colonoscopy. He was 43. So if that's right now, um, the standard is going in when you're 50. 50, I highly recommend people going younger. So they went in to do a colonoscopy. And unfortunately, the um, technician, she could not proceed. She couldn't finish the colonoscopy because his tumor was um, so large. It was blocking. Oh, goodness. Yeah, blocking his colon. And that led to emergency surgery the next day, which led to a diagnosis that had already spread. Wow. I am so sorry to hear that. Um, But that is good information for people to know because we should be aware of signs and symptoms and be educated on things like that so we can go get help when we need it. So explain to my listeners your emotions when you found out he had this. What were you thinking? Well, you... It, it does feel a little bit like a dream. It feels like the worst dream of your entire life. My whole family was here. They're Canadian. So that was a little tender mercy. Normally they would never be here. We hadn't been together in years, but my whole family happened to be at my home for a family reunion. And my husband asked me to come back into our back bedroom, um, into the bathroom. And he said, um, it's, it's he said it's cancer and you just, I just kind of collapsed onto the bathroom floor. And, and I think there was just this part of my spirit. I don't know why, but felt like I always knew that that would come. I, I, these are strange, strange things, but that I somehow was like, I knew it was going to come. And so we cried and fear sets in and you have self pity for a little while But then my personality is one that's like, okay, like, what do we do? What do we do? And what's crazy is that I already had books on my bookshelf about clinics around the world that, that were treating alternative stage four cancer. So I already knew which clinics to call. I already, I I felt in, in many ways that I had been prepared. So we just, the emotions are hard though, because for me, we, I was left with the decision of, do we go with alternative medicine or right. do we just stick with the traditional conventional type things? And, and I know Carlin, you are trying to add a voice to people to say, Hey, it's okay to try different things that might not be in the standard norm of ev- everyday medicine. Right. But for me at the time, it felt like life or death. Oh, I'm it sure. Like I'm sure that I was making was could possibly kill my husband if I chose wrong. Like what's behind door number two? You're like, it's a grenade. So be really, really careful which which door you choose. Um, and that's where that's where God comes into play. And we we're, we're not very used to having terminology or vocabulary around when our spirits are speaking to us. But the one thing that I look for is just peace. Even in, even when you're on your knees and and things feel so hard, you're like, where does peace come? Like you have to feel your way. It's almost like close your eyes and close your ears and go inside and go, where does peace come? come. So people on their own journeys, battling their own health issues, you have something inside of you that can tell you truth. You just have to be able to quiet the other things and where you find peace is the path that you go. And so for us, we always knew that conventional treatment, chemotherapy, the doctor said, you know, you have 18 months to live, start chemo on Monday. 
So I went to my husband after a, a couple weeks of really just going back and forth. And I just said to him, and, and, and I should back this up. My husband at this point, emotionally and physically was, was saying to me, Charity, you are prepared to help um, captain this ship with me. So whatever you feel that I should do or whatever you feel that you want me to do, I, I want to do that. And I do believe that when, when there's a, a marriage or a partnership, things will feel harmonious when they're right. So for us, I said to him, you know, this chemotherapy will always be here and they're offering us no hope, like none. They're like, do chemo until you die. But there are some clinics around the world that are offering hope. And, and I know that there's a lot of different emotions where people talk about quackery or they talk about false hope or they talk about all of these silly little things. But I am a, I have experienced firsthand the power of hope, even if it's placebo. So I know that's controversial, but I am a believer like anything that offers hope. Now, now looking back though, you do want it to have some, some real roots and some grounding because otherwise it's just deception. But I said to him, you know, plan B will always be here. Let's try plan A. Let's go to Tijuana. Let's do all of the things that I have felt that God's given my brain to try. And then we'll go back and do plan B if plan A doesn't work. So that that's really what our journey was. And I, for those viewers that are listening that don't know me, I'm sure you can hear at least in in the words that we've been using that, that he passed, he passed away. He, um, I hate the words when they say he lost his battle cancer, but I don't know. I need somebody to coin a better phrase. He is no longer with us, but the journey that we had together lasted almost four years and it was beautiful and courageous and fun and energetic and amazing and wonderful. And I believe that it is because of, of our willingness to try some alternative things that prepared his body at least to then be able to handle traditional when we just, when we finally had to take that route. So I love so many things that you have just said. One, I love that you talk about that you had to find peace, that you had to find that inner peace, that you just needed to be still and find that inner peace. But two, I love that you just said, I need to trust. I need to trust everything that I've learned, that this will be a benefit and we need to apply it. It is a big decision with lots of, you don't know the outcomes of these decisions. So I love that you just said you had to find peace, you had to trust, and then that you had hope. Because how many of us in times of darkness or hard times don't have hope? I'll be honest with you. When I went through my darkness of depression, I mean, it's not cancer by any means, but I lost hope. And that's yeah. what made me want to end my life and be done. And so the fact that you could hold on to hope during such a hard time is incredible. And people that are listening right now, right? Everyone, everyone will have been drawn to you for different reasons, their own challenges, their own interests or, or whatever it is. But for those that are struggling in some way, whether it is depression or whether it's an eating disorder or whether it's cancer, whatever it is, it's, it's this belief that you need to hold on to that things won't always be as they are right now, that, that, that hope of brighter days, that doesn't mean the diagnosis is going to change, but what changes is you and your abilities to both 
maneuver through it, but also to learn from it. I, I, I'm such a believer, like we're here to learn. This is the tuition of life that we pay. And so if we can look at whatever circumstances that we're in and we're like, okay, how can I find one, gratitude for it? And two, what can it teach me? It just changes the perspective that we have. It changes our trials into our teachers. And that's, that's just a positive, hope-filled place to be that really does change the energy of how you're dealing with adversity. You're amazing. Okay, I have to ask you this, though. Okay. Did you have that attitude through the hard times of cancer? Did you, were you grateful for the trial during it? Or did this gratitude come afterwards? And could you, during the trial, say like, okay, what am I supposed to be learning through this? Or did that come afterwards as well? Yeah, that came, that came, I would say about two years in. So yeah, it was, it was a learning process. There was lots of dark moments and then lots of bright moments. You like, you get good news and you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then a couple months later, you'd get bad news and you're like, oh, it's growing now. Right. So it was a lot of highs and lows. And it's trying to find that temperance in there of, of that everything's going to be okay, or there's nothing that we can't handle. But it was actually at a very, very dark, dark time. We, we had come home from, um, one of the doctors and and they essentially were like, Hey, like things are not looking good. The alternative treatment is not working anymore. The cancer's growing and it's going to continue to grow. And I came home and I went to, I have this little tiny, um, closet, a little walk-in closet. It was my, my room where I would go when I would turn off the lights and I would just end up in the fetal position on the floor because I didn't want my husband to see me like that. I didn't want my kids to see me like that, but I just needed those moments of like, okay, I need to break down. And I will say in in that time, there's, there's a few things because I don't want this just to be about me. I want people to, this to be able to be applicable for people. But there's two things I would say to be cautious of, to be wary of. One is self-pity, right? It doesn't serve you. It's not there. It's not lifting. It's not hopeful. It's not edifying. And um, anger, those two things. Why me? Why is this happening? I, how could this happen to us? Blah, blah, blah. My husband's the most amazing father. How could these four kids not have a dad? Like, so when you feel this, this, uh, these, this blackness and that's what was approaching and I could feel it starting. It's a very, it was a very dark feeling. I could feel it coming circling around me and starting to fill me this blackness of anger and self-pity and sadness and despair. And in that very profound moment, I could hear God saying to me, say it. And I was like, I can't. And he said, just say it. And I was like, father, I can't. And then one more time, he said, you know, you know what to do right now. You can feel the darkness and you know what to do. And so in that moment, I said out loud, thank you. Thank you for trusting us with this trial. And Carlin, people might not even believe me in that millisecond, my feelings of darkness and blackness was like vacuum sucked out of my closet. And I was filled with like light and peace that like we can have whatever it is that we are going to be faced with, we can handle it. And so I, when we hear of gratitude journals or thankfulness, sometimes it's just this cliche thing. It has actually physically saved me from places of darkness. 
So I love that you share all of that. I am a big believer in energy systems and that we do have an energy system, but that we also need to use that energy in our emotional healing. And cancer is a very emotional trial, just like lots of trials are. There's the ups and the lows and the good days and bad days, like you said, and the burden of carrying this trial is huge. And so let me just say part of emotional healing, you do need to feel the anger and the frustration and the why me, that's the bottom of the healing. And then as you heal, you can finally, the supreme top of the healing pillar is gratitude. When you have reached gratitude, then you you have understood that these trials are to teach us and to help us become who we need to become and things like that. And so thank you for sharing that. It is a very hard thing to do, though, is to find gratitude in your trials and journeys. And I'll tell you, I didn't find my gratitude until years after my trials. I could not find the gratitude in it. And that's okay. We can sometimes find it later. But I love that you shared it just so that listeners can think, oh, maybe I need to work on my emotional healing. Maybe I need to look at where I can find gratitude in the hard things that I'm going through right now. Okay, so for those that are going through hard times or dealing with someone in their life with cancer or someone with loss, it is a hard thing like we've talked about emotionally and physically and mentally. What advice would you give them? So I would just say, um, you know, do your best. One thing that I had to do every day, every day, I had to set my intention in the morning before the day started because my energy or my feelings was deeply affected by my sweet husband. If he was having a bad day or wasn't feeling good, like I, it would, it would make me so sad. Or if we got bad news, it would make me so sad. Or if I thought that the kids were struggling, like I would get super, super sad. So I had to set my intention every day where I was like, choose your word, like choose your word today. And I would write it down where I was like, I'm going to be brave today or courageous or giving or joyful or whatever. So there was power, at least for me to set my intentions before the day happened. And before I was, you know, swiped away by different things. And then obviously we've, I mean, we've already talked about hope, but for people, I was very sensitive to anybody that came into our sphere that had, I don't know, like that, that had no hope for Dan, or they would say things like, you know, Hey buddy, we'll sure miss you. I was like, you need to leave right now. Like I just, I, I, I can't even be in that space. And it might sound somewhat delusional, but even when Dan was in hospice, I didn't necessarily think that he was going to die. Like I just, I had hope, which is a true gift from God until probably four days before he passed away where he was um, somewhat incoherent and he was lying in his hospice bed. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, is he going to die? Like what? But I'm grateful that the people in my circle and all around me at least didn't whisper, oh, well, Dan's going to die. Dan's going to die. Like I just, that didn't, that was not useful to me in any way, shape or form. So sometimes people will call me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, my dad just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. What do you recommend? This or that. One of the things I just try to say is don't ever, ever, ever put people in the grave until God's put them there like celebrate them and, and engage with them. So that's, that's one thing. And then for people they're dealing with just health issues that are less, you know, severe than, than imminent death. I would just say, be open to the idea that some of the things that you're going through are just so that you can then 
overcome them and, and help others, which was your story, Carlin, right? Like you went through it, you've overcome it. And now you're teaching people. I have a sweet daughter who's struggling um, with some depression right now. And when I talked to her about someday getting on stage with a group of teenage girls and telling them how you got through it, that lights a spark in her where she's like, okay, I can get through this if I know that someday I can help other people. So a lot of time it's just a matter of shifting our perspective. It is really just shifting that perspective. Oh, I love that you tell your daughter that. Okay, let's take a few steps back as well into the cancer um, journey. Let's talk about the alternative versus, well, let's talk about Western medicine versus Eastern medicine, because I get that all the time. Like, do you only do Western? Do you only do Eastern? It sounds like you did a variety of both. You went the alternative route first, then did conventional. And I want to tell people all the time, take the best of both worlds. Why only be confined to one? Let's take the, the knowledge and the greatness out of both of them and combine yeah, and it. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it feels like those two worlds are on opposite sides and they shouldn't be. We should find ways to synergistically, just like you said, work together. But they, but the reality is they don't. Um, it, meaning when I was going to our oncologist with Dan, they wanted no part of the alternative world. Now that probably should have been a cue to me to maybe find a different oncologist, one that was much more supportive of what we were doing. Um, So I would just caution people first and foremost, be careful of your biases either way. I had tremendous biases against conventional chemotherapy because I had read horror stories and I was seeking out, I was seeking out literature that would, that would give me evidence to stick to alternative things. And that is not necessarily the best place to be. Like you want to be open-minded and and be cautious of your biases because the truth is Dan had four wonderful years, like amazing quality of life. And it was absolutely because we did both that. I love that. We, we did both. And so, yeah, all I would say to people is, is again, Try to do the best you can to take in information and then take it to God or take it to your own intuition to find what feels right for you. I love that. Okay, so because I talk about food all the time on my account and my podcast mm-hmm. here, tell me about food. Did you use food as part of his healing journey? Very, very, very much so. Yeah, food was a very big part of it. He was um, not like I told you, his favorite thing was Diet Coke. I used to joke that if he could be strapped up to an IV of Diet Coke, he, he would like that was 23 years of that and, and other things that, that were not healthy for him. And what was refreshing though, is that one, the day he was diagnosed, he said, I'm, I'm ready and willing to recognize food as a healing tool. So yes, I will get rid of the things that are not, not healing my body and start doing the things that are healing my body. So yeah, nutrition was a huge part of it, juicing and, 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 and lots of plant foods, lots of organic foods. Now, when I used to teach classes, people would ask me about, you know, organic versus conventional or all these types of things. And, and, everyone's at a different health state. My husband was at a state of health that moderation was not a good idea, right? Like you can moderately have foods that's really, really bad for you. Whereas other people might just be at a different place in their journey that they're like, yeah, having food moderately brings joy to my life. Like I get that, but we were in what I would call a state of an emergency and in a state of an emergency, you're bringing all the hoses. So we juiced, like I juiced for him every day. He ate a very, very 
very clean diet for a very long time. I believe that that had a lot of healing elements, but something that you and I talked about, Carlin, was there are different things to consider. And, and let me, let me say what I mean by that. After 18 months of, of being really strict with food, I looked at him one day and I could just feel that he was miserable. Like he hmm. just, he was doing it and yes, it was helping, but he was not happy. And that opened my eyes to being like, okay, yes, you can be strict, but to, to what end and what's the point? And what I had mentioned to you before is I feel like we did everything that we could to save him. I genuinely do. We, we lived in Tijuana for eight weeks. We did treatments. We, I, I, um, I would inject his port with different IVs that we would mix daily with nutrients and all, everything that we knew how to do. But Dan still died. And so I don't like to think that I'm jaded by that, but I feel like I'm somewhat changed by that. And in, in this element of, of this world that we live in and wanting to be strict, yes, I honor anybody that's at a place where they want to be strict with everything. But I also want to be a voice for people that says, hey, we get one shot. We get one shot at life. So make sure you're taking care of your body because you only get one of them. But find joy in your journey. Like find joy in whatever it is that you are doing and, and your health goal, like you and I talked about previously, that health is not the end goal. Like a healthy, comfortable, functioning, happy body is wonderful, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is what are you going to go and do with it? How are you going to go and, and share love and shine love and help other people and, and have stewardship over people in your lives? Like that's the end goal. So yes, nutrition is a part of it, but relationships are a part of it. Spiritual well-being, for me, a little bit of adventure is a part, is a part of it. Feeling connected. There's so many things that encompass well-being that we can't ever forget that there are, that there, you know, we, we're complicated, multifaceted people. And so we just need to look and fortify the areas that might be out of sync or off key. I love that. So I teach people all the time that I really do believe everybody should be on a health journey so that they can be healthy and live a fulfilled, happy life. Because when I wasn't on a health journey, that's when depression came and that was not a happy time. So I totally agree that living a healthy life will bring you a more fulfilled, happy life because you'll be able to do things if you're feeling healthy. But at the same time, that's why I tell everybody it's a journey because it's going to look different for everybody. And it's yeah. one step at a time. And never do I teach complete strictness. For instance, we were just at Walt Disney World and everybody was like, you allow your kids to have a treat at Walt Disney World? Well, of course I'm going to let them have a treat, right? It's vacation yes. and there's uh, Dole Whips, you know, at Walt Disney yes. World that we want them to experience. And so if we're so strict, you're right, then we don't have joy in the journey. We don't have joy in the health journey. Then we start hating health and we don't want anything to do with health. And then, I mean, it's just a, a vicious circle, right? And yeah. so there is a point of you need to find the happiness along the journey. And I do want followers to realize, like in your case, like you said, you needed to be on a strict regimen because yeah. it was an um, emergency situation. 
in yeah. most people's lives. Well, a lot of people, though, are dealing with health issues that may make it more of a, let's put in quotation marks, an emergency in their life mm-hmm. where they need to be on a strict diet. But at the same time, let's try to figure out what health is, what that moderation can be, and how we can find the happiness on the health journey. Yeah. And the truth is, what we do every day matters way more than what we do every once in a while. So that's when you say to people, are, are you eating vegetables every day or every once in a while? And are you eating Dole Whip every day or every once in a while, right? It's, right. it's what are you doing every day? Because those are the things that really build up over time to, to have a big impact in our lives. And what are you doing every day to nourish your body? Because we truly need to nourish our body in order to yeah. live that healthy life so we can go do whatever it is we have that desire and passion to do. So I love on your website, that's basically what you say. You say, my obsession is helping others create a healthy lifestyle so they can focus on living a life of purpose and passion. I love that. But also on your website, you talk a lot about fortitude. That's an interesting word that you don't hear very often. What do you mean when you say that? Yeah, it's funny. I sometimes I don't know why I do this, but I go back to like um, um, like medieval times where there's a stonewalled city, and and this image of like uh, their enemies are coming, and they're they're they've sent a cannonball through one wall on the backside of their city, and you're like, hey, someone go go back and, and build that wall. Like you need to fortify. So overall well-being, like we talked about, encompasses different things, whether it's relationships or body, mind, spirit, finances, even adventure, learning, like these these all encompass overall well-being. But it's our job as stewards of our own body of like governing ourselves to go, what area needs fortifying? Because I can be really, really good on one area, right? I can might I can have my all my food figured out just perfectly, but maybe my relationship with my spouse is being strained, or maybe my finances are now being strained for some of my choices or, wh- or whatever it is. So the idea of fortitude is simply to look at your own little city, your, your wall and saying, what's, where are the cracks getting in? I, I sense that there is a, an overall feeling of darkness that's, that's kind of permeated the world. There's, divisiveness that has never been been seen before and violence and all statistics of so many things that are dark and heavy and hard. And so rather than us be being the victims of that, how can we look and where can we fortify in our homes and our personal life and our communities? And it encompasses so many different things, but the, the center point of that is simply being aware. Oh, if you look at it, think of it as an orchestra and, and tune your ear and being like, what's off key? What's, what's off in my life? Is it my spiritual mm. connection? Is it my, my lack of the fulfillment right now where I'm not doing some of the things that maybe I'm called to do? So it just takes a level of awareness that is difficult at first, but, but pays great dividends and in a life of, of passion and purpose. Okay, so it's like what we talked about earlier in the show that it really is just being still to find that inner peace and self-reflect and really find out what is troubling you in life or missing or something that needs to be worked on. 
Yeah. And for me, that's my, that's a morning routine for me that if people said, what's the one thing that has carried you through some highs and lows, it would be my morning routine. And in that morning routine involves a little bit of stillness involves just a little bit of intention um, to look at my life and, and just evaluate where things are at. In fact, people can, I have a little, a little thing on my website to download seven ways to improve your morning routine. And one of those is just a level of stillness. Oh, I love that. I need to check that out. I will admit my, <laughs> my morning routine is hurry and get my gym clothes on and run out to the gym and <laughs> then deal with the kids, you know, get ready for school mess. So yes, I need to yes. check that out, implement that into my life a little bit more. I know listeners are probably like, you just sound so happy and so with it. And you've just recently lost your husband. Like, how do you do it? So how does someone find peace, happiness, purpose after such a major loss and a major trial in their life? Well, that's such a good question. You know, while Dan and I were going through this journey together, you know, one night he looks over at me in bed and gives me a kiss. And he says, babe, our future is so bright. And I was like, how are we in this place where we feel so happy and so peaceful? So I actually wrote a book while we, while he was, we were going through that called focused and fearless. And it's just seven simple skills that allowed us to have peace and purpose and all, all these, you know, they're buzzwords, but they were our life. They were important to us. And it's just being fierce with your focus. There's implementing little tools, having harnessing hope is one of them, understanding the power of connection. So I, I wrote a little bit about that in my book, but from a simple, you know, I, I used to say to people, I, in some ways, I wish everyone would get cancer. It's a terrible thing to say out front, but it brings a perspective where the fluff in your life is quickly burnt away and you are forced to focus on the things that are really, really important. And that's a gift. That's a gift that people can have right now in their day-to-day life. Like if you are looking for the heart in your life, you will find it. If you are looking for cracks in your relationships, you will find them. So be fierce with your focus and, and make the determined effort to find light in your life and then to shine light for other people and to champion them on in their own journeys. I love that. It just comes down to what we've talked about before, like our attitude in the trial and just how we perceive things. But that is really hard to do because there is a lot of fluff out there, as you say, and a lot of negativity and things like that. So a lot of noise. And I should tell people like full transparency. I also was married during COVID. So finding love, like there's nothing better than love to help heal hearts as well. So I've been very, very blessed to have two amazing men to take care of my heart. Well, you know what, let's tell our listeners about what happened after he passed. And I mean, the grieving is horrible when someone passes. I can't even imagine. Let's talk about that. And then your new love that you found. Okay. So the new thing that I'm working on. Yeah, it was grieving is, is a really, really hard thing. Um, you know, some people are dealt with trauma immediately. One blessing, although it was excruciatingly difficult is that we were able to mourn and grieve together somewhat for four years, right? We, we cried together and we grieved together, me and my husband, so that I wasn't left to do it all by myself after he passed. Mm. We, we had time. And so that was a blessing, but yeah, you go through, you go through some dark places, really, really dark where for me, it was hard to want to be here 
You know, I was like, I know where Jesus is and I know where my husband is. I don't want to be here. Mm. And we need to be careful of a longing sometimes to go back, especially in the world that we are in right now. Like how many of us long to go back, back to before COVID, back to where things were different or better. Mm -hmm. And God's plan is like, there's no going back. Like you charity, you can't go back. The only way is forward. And so I was forced day in, day out, my morning routine, exercise, eating healthy. Those are things that really did sustain me. And I was lucky enough at least to have the perspective that my heart was so well taken care of that I loved being married. I, I had such a wonderful experience that I was ready when it came, when love came again. And I felt it was very divine that this experience that a, a new man, my first husband's name is Dan. He's from Littleton, Colorado. He loves cars. His birthday's in August. My second husband's name is Daniel. He's from Littleton, Colorado. He loves cars and his birthday's in August. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy, crazy little things, but, uh, it was, my heart was ready and that was, that was a blessing. And that's been a journey. We could do a whole other podcast on moving on after loss, but that really did allow me to now, I, I would say it took about a year for my brain to have the capacity to be back to where it is now, where I'm anxious to, to share and read. And, and there was a while I could barely even read my brain and my emotions. They just didn't have that capacity. Um, but now I'm at a place where I've been through a lot and I've found myself on the other side of fear, which is such a wonderful place to be, that now I'm engaged in a new project called the Women of Light. It's a nonprofit organization. And the whole mission is to inspire, to connect and to serve. There is a need right now, in my opinion, to fight some of the darkness. And there's multiple ways that we can do that, right? Whether it's connecting or serving others. One of the ways also is just to shine light on the dark things. What are, what are the areas in our life that are really bringing us down? And you experience depression. That's a real, real element that, that health is, is the best way to battle some of the things that are coming in. So if people are interested, they can always just look up on Instagram, the women of light. We've got our first event coming up and hopefully we'll just start taking um, some of the resources and some of the light that's already in so many areas of this beautiful world. And we'll just bring them all into a concentrated place where people can kind of study different topics, listen to uh, different podcasts or whatnot. So we're, we are a work in progress that we are determined to help at least shine a little bit more light in a world that seems to be darkening. You are the perfect person to run this organization. My <laughs> goodness, you. you are just a, you are a light of inspiration. This whole time sitting here, I am just thinking you have gone through so much and you are not mad. You are not angry. You have turned it into a positive experience into your life to the point that you want to teach others how to be positive and share their light. And I, I'm almost in tears just listening to you because I'm like, you are just so inspirational. Wow. If we could all take our trials and turn them into huge blessings like this, this world would be an incredible place. So thank you wow, so much for sharing your journey and your life experiences and your hardness and your light that you have found through your difficulties. Thank you so much. Thank you. I always leave or end my podcast by asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. And you've talked about so many already. So I'm curious to know what you would claim to be the best. Oh, gosh. Okay. That's it's hard to narrow it down to one. Um, I think I'm going to use a word that doesn't do it justice, but I think I'll use the word resilience. 
And it's just simply the belief that you can do it. You can get through it. Whatever it is that is facing you or whatever thorn is in in your side right now, you can get through it. There's nothing that you can't do. That to me is the best ingredient in life. Oh my goodness. I love that one. It is so true because we all will have hard times. There is no one here on this earth that will just have an easy life. There will be something hard that they have to do. And I love that. I actually have to tell you, I just made, well, I'm ordering these stainless steel cups and on them, they say, I can and I will. And I have been trying to tell myself that all the time, like, I can, I can do this. Because there yes. are things, even this podcast, I mean, podcasts scare me, but I'm like, no, I can, and I, I can You're do it. it. Yes, I love it. So I love that you say that's your best ingredient in life. Thank you again for being here and sharing all that you have. Um, where can my listeners find you? You've said a couple things about the Women of Light, but where else can they find you? Yes, they can find me on Instagram, Charity Lighten. I'm the only Charity Lighten in the world. So that makes things easy, right? They, they can find me. That's um, awesome. My handle, my handle is a vibrant life on Instagram. And my website is charitylighten.com. And then, like I said, I'm also heavily involved with the Women of Light, which is the Women of Light that's the handle or the womenoflight.org. And you said you have an event coming up. Is it sold out? It's sold out. Yeah. You know what? Okay, Carlin, I'm going to do one little plug here. If people are, if you are in a city and you're like, Hey, I want to gather women together and I want to have some inspiration there and connect and to serve. I will come to you. I will come to your city. We will link arms with all of the good women and we will gather in it. COVID responsible way, but we will, we, we will, um, find just kind of that joy and that, that rejuvenation that comes from gathering with people. So reach out to me. I will come to you. Oh, that is, that's an amazing offer. And that would be so beneficial to so many people. So that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you again, Charity, for being here. And I know the listeners have just felt so much positive energy from you. So thank you for all you do. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 